This is a Sprite. And it tastes exactly like it sounds. That first hit of cool, crisp refreshment on your tongue, followed by that familiar chorus we all know by heart. Sprite, thirst for yours. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Davey. How you feeling, Dex? Feeling awesome. Feeling great. Word, word. Weather is it's sunny. Yeah, man. It's, it's not snowing anymore. It was like a blizzard like last night, right? <laughs> now it's beautiful. Moves is good. It's still a uh, 420 weekend. Yeah. Yeah, so it's mad cloudy out there, but in a good way. Yeah, purple haze. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. What's going on in the world? Uh, I'll wait to get into it. Okay. Um. But anyway, it, it looks like why why can't why his name just slipped my mind just now? Metro Boomin. Okay. Yeah, yeah it looks yeah, like yeah. Metro Boomin just responded to Russ. Uh, Russ had <laughs> that was real. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just seen a, a picture. I thought it was a meme. He was holding that sign that said Russ is whack. Yeah, it was a real picture. Oh, Metro Boomin posted it. Why does everybody hate Russ? You can chime in anytime too, bro. Uh, we'll introduce you, but you can chime in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why does everyone hate Russ? I think just Russ is just everything that is just what's wrong with gentrified <laughs> hip hop. Like it's very, it's very pretentious, uh, and it seemingly has just this fake struggle. Mm. And he he just feels like everyone should just respect him because he does all of his own production and all engineering and rapping and and all right. of that. And he just he he's like a He's like a, a, a less authentic Chance, the rapper. Okay. That makes sense. I don't know. Like, I've never really paid enough attention to Russ to hate him. But I'm like, is it just the cool thing to hate Russ? And that's and that's <laughs> mainly just what I hear. Like, I don't yeah, yeah. really listen to Russ. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's so, what everybody and, and that's Everybody thing. I ask, they're like, well, I don't really listen to him. But No one listens to Russ, <laughs> but, they hate it, but they hate him. That's kind of fucked up, man. It is. You know what? I used to feel that way about Logic. You know what? And then I uh, I watched Rapture yeah, on Netflix, yeah. and I changed my mind. And I actually gave him a chance. And I'm like, all right, his music is cool, and I like what he's talking about, so I rock with it. Yeah, I think it was because Logic just kept trying to push that whole "I look white, but I'm mixed." Yeah, and he, I've he, seen interviews before I heard the music, and the interviews turned me off. But then seeing the actual struggle behind him, I was like, all right, let me give this guy a chance, and now I rock with him. Now I'm looking it up because I'm, I'm very intrigued. Like, why do people hate Russ? I think it's just one of those things. I think we just find a person every four or five years to hate. And then it's just that thing. Because who was it before Russ? Somebody was. Well, it's still Bow Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of just attach to somebody and just it's the trend to not like them. But who's Russ? See? I am Bow Wow. I'm like, who the hell are y'all talking about? He's <laughs> an independent rapper. Yeah, very popular. Yeah, apparently, I mean, he's on a Coachella. Strong cult following, but people okay. also hate him. Okay, damn. Yeah, okay. man, it's just one of those things. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> oh, he he went on a rant on Twitter about anti-drug when uh, Lil Peep died. 
some people are saying he's condescending, sort of a prick. Always people kind of hate Chance too. Always talking about. I feel him. like if you hate Chance, I love Chance. You like you just hate life. Like, <laughs> Chance is just so happy, and then people hate him because he's so happy. Is it that people don't have anything to hate about Chance, so they hate him? <laughs> I, I think that I think that to a certain degree, people feel like happiness can come across as like inauthentic to a degree. Mm. Like no one just wants to deal like no one wants to deal with some someone who's just positive all the time you know what i mean right like when like when chance commented on that um during the whole monique thing when he said like black women deserve better well yeah that part that uh, that kind of irritated me and, and that's the thing like we all know that black women deserve yeah, better yeah it was kind of like, all right chance. and it should be said <laughs> it should be said but yeah. it's like sit down bro don't go caping don't go caping for monique yeah, just say the chance moment just say, just, you know like that's what no one likes a, a captain save a hoe like <laughs> captain save a chance. Yeah. Man, uh, speaking of Monique, hashtag Monique still has not produced any content after all of that. Mm. Just want to put that out. You just there. went on a press run and you didn't put nothing out. So it was all for nothing. So my conversation and my arguments with all you crans out there, I won because she still hasn't made anything of all that shit. Listen, y'all, black women deserve <laughs> better, but Monique is not funny. <laughs> Those are very true mut- uh, statements that are not mutually exclusive. Mm. They can both exist. How you feel, bro? How many black women listen to this right now? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, a lot. So next, you know? next subject. Shout yeah, out to yeah. y'all. No, we ain't gonna pop off. Like <laughs> how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about the playoffs right now? Um, because I think the Sixers might be getting the heat out of here. Uh, the Pacers may be getting the Cavs out of here. I think it's interesting. Um, this time last year, we were already predicting Cavs-Warriors finals for this year. Uh, Might not be the case. Steph is still out. Might not be the case. I don't know, man. Where's LeBron going is a real question. Let's talk with our sports analyst, producer Julius. <laughs> Where's LeBron going? L.A. L.A.? Nah, you think L.A.? Yeah, man. Be the next Magic. I mean, I'm curious why he would send um, I think IT over to LA just to go over there. Yeah, himself. That's that's the part that throws me off. I don't think he'll go over there with IT. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna trade him too. Yeah, but they want him to play the Lonzo Ball and give him the torch and play the whole big baller brand and keep it in the family. That's yeah. That's my you know analysis on the thing. But. I, I think he may end up in Philly. Um, I will say this though, mm. I feel like. If he changes teams, I get why you would want to leave Cleveland. I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I <Don't> get. get <laughs> and don't get me wrong; there's a lot of fine women in Cleveland. I, I get it though. But if LeBron leaves again, he cloud chasing because you cannot just bounce around for championships when you're LeBron James. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I get you need help, but nigga, you LeBron James, you are the help. But here's <laughs> but here's the thing. <laughs> Maybe he's just trying to do something different because when, I think with when you have like Michael Jordan, you have right. Kobe, you have all of these these all star legends that stayed who, on one team. Exactly. <laughs> so so he's trying. It looks like he's just trying to do something different. Like he's not trying to chase the Michael Jordan. He's trying to Kobe. bounce around, say I can carry each team. He's right. he's trying to create a legacy in yeah. every team that he goes to because he'd have a legacy because of him. Yeah. I get that, but to prove that theory to be true, he'll have to go to a trash team. 
But he's gone too. Like LA. <laughs> and he gonna make Space Jam too? No. <laughs> they already filming that. But but LA LA is not good, but there's a little, there's some names over there. I'm like shit, give us LeBron in Denver. If you take us to the championship, I am a true believer. You are the savior. What about what about the Knicks? Ooh. Is he going to New York? Uh, I don't wanna see that. I don't, I, don't, I don't like when New York people are happy. <laughs> Damn. They, they, they make the rest of the world so angry when they're happy. It's just like they shit on everybody. Like, chill. Like, yeah, you already know what it is, and your Jesus and Merrill gonna be going ham. Your fucking LeBron Tims. We don't need none of that shit. So, like, shout out to uh, New York. We rock with y'all. Yeah, y'all cool. Um, all right, man. We got a special guest in the building. Straight up. We're gonna get to him real quick. Hey, man, this this guy right here is a genius. Like a visual genius. I'm sure you, if you've been to Denver or shit around the world at this point, because you out of here, yeah, you've seen bit. his pieces somewhere. Um, I was about to say the most recent one, but we'll we'll let you get into that. Yep. Let's let's make some noise for my man Detour. Hey, yeah. hey, yeah, what's going on? Chilling, man. How you feeling? Good, good. Just uh, coming from the studio. Work. New murals and everything. Uh, but really, just like uh, trying to survive, trying to keep my head afloat. Uh, above water, just uh, creating art. Dig it, dig it, dig it. So, for the people who don't know, who are you and what do you do? So, my name's uh, Detour. Uh, real name Thomas Evan, but to go by Detour. Um, muralist, um, artist, creative, all around creative, I'd say. Um, but just really a Denver, you know, fanatic that just wants to see the city grow, art right. grow in the city, and just uh, have this place pretty much thrive. Yeah, yeah. Where? But you contributed a lot to the art scene in the city um, with the murals and just the pieces you do. When did you get started with that? So, moved here 2006. Uh, Dad's military, so we kind of bounced around a lot. Spent a lot of time in uh, Germany, you know, South Carolina, where my family's from. Uh, St. Louis as well. And then he got stationed over here in Denver. And then I came over here for in-state tuition. Okay. And I was always doing art on the side, but when I came to Denver... It was pretty much um, taken to a whole new level, um, going from t- airbrush T-shirts to canvases. And I was going to school at the same time, uh, getting my business degree, then eventually getting my master's degree, MBA. Um, but really, the entire time, I was just like focused on creating art, breakdancing, throwing jams, you know, just like bringing up uh, the creative community, the dance community, all that stuff. For sure. uh, so it was, you know, I kind of started in 2006 when I moved here. Uh, but really, it uh, evolved, uh, I'd say, 2000, into 2014 uh, when I put on my first show um, as a full-time artist. Mm. And that was like something where it's kind of like, oh, now I have to rely on my art to kind of make that money. Right. And just like, because you're doing art full-time, it's not like I can go back to a regular job with a resume that said, you know, I'm an artist type of thing. So it was kind of right. like, it, shit got real. Right. So, mm-hmm. can I cuss? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm with the SEC. No, hell yeah. Okay, so shit got real. And basically, it was kind of like, okay, now I, I'm in it. I'm in it to win it type of thing. So that's when pretty much I got that studio uh, at the place called The Temple. And then I got another studio at Redline and just basically just hit the ground running yeah. and just started creating as much as I can. Word. Now, was your family supportive of you being um, an artist or were they pretty much just like, hey, as long as you stay in school, you can do whatever you want? 
Yeah, so I mean, it was uh, dad's like I said, military went to West Point and everything, super serious. So I'm pretty much a square. Uh, yeah, pretty much a square. So he was super serious, um, but he saw how people reacted to my work uh, even early on. And my mother was uh, someone that supported my work as well. Uh, she brought me my first airbrush kit when I was like uh, freshman in high school, right. and basically it was kind of like um, they supported whatever decision uh, I made. But they really wanted me to kind of do uh, what I wanted to do in life. You know, having, because you want to do something that you love yeah. all the time. So they, they supported it. And then once I started getting a lot more recognition, they really uh, kind of pushed me to keep going right. uh, into the arts and everything. That's dope, that's dope, that's dope. Mm, so what do you think is your favorite piece that you've worked on so far? Um, I get that a lot. And usually I'd have to say any piece, any of my Current pieces um, are a lot of my favorite ones, mainly because uh, they just include all of my inspirations and background and things that I learned along the way. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like those pieces really reflect where I am in terms of my art. So it's kind of like uh, those are a lot of my favorite pieces uh, because I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know I could do this type of thing. Oh, wow. um, and then you got those pieces that are kind of like uh, groundbreaking in terms of like the stages of your career. Right. So it's kind of like that stage or that piece that I did when I first got into interactive art. Mm -hmm. um, I did uh, a show for Musa Bailey. It was called uh, Shoeshine. Yeah, and shout out to Musa. Yeah, shout out. shout out to Musa. So he asked me to do a, a backboard. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was doing these uh, pieces that had like uh, broken records, right. and I was uh, painting, uh, uh, painting different artists on there. And I was like, okay, let me do this uh, Jay Dilla piece. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, how can I make a difference? So I was like, okay, let me let me add a speaker in there, see how it goes. So you know, I, I'm not a carpenter, or I'm not an electrician or sound engineer. So I was basically figuring out how to drill a hole, how to put a, a speaker in there, how to hook right. it up. And, you know, I kind of figured it out. It was piecemeal together. So it was like a speaker, auxiliary uh, cord attached to the speaker, and place, basically you can plug up your phone to it. Right. You know, it was, it was basically the concept. So, and it was interactive art. Yeah, it was, it was like, you know, a piece no one ever seen before because they were like, oh, you can plug up your phone and play music. Yeah. You know, during the show, it's like in my studio, you could hear it during the show. It was so noisy, you couldn't hear anything, right. really. But the, like the concept was there. And then after that, it was kind of, kind of like, okay, now I need to figure out how to amplify stuff. So let me learn about sound engineering. Let me learn about amplifiers. Let me learn about, you know, how to build a better canvas. So it was kind of like that piece was one of the pieces that kind of really got me into uh, creating this new type of work where it's like super traditional but also interactive as well. Right. So that piece is one of the pieces that I really love because even though it's super old and I, you know, I look at it today and I'm like, man, I could do a lot better than that. Yeah. Thing. It's like one of those pieces where it's kind of like, oh, I... That's that's where that concept came from. Right. Uh, so that's like one of the pieces that I really love. All right. And your uh, your portrait pieces, they have like a very unique look. As soon as you see it, you know you did it. What is your creative process when you start a piece like that? That actually came from doing live art. My homie DJ AL uh, used to throw art and soul at. Uh, Ophelia's and he asked me to do live art one day and I was like okay cool but this time I was doing oils and oils take a long time to kind of dry and it's not something you really do live so when he asked me to do that I was like let me learn some acrylics and then from there it's kind of like okay I don't have time to mix paint because you know I only have a certain amount of time to kind of paint this piece um, so really it was like kind of straight out the bottle right. um, or the tubes that I was using to paint and 
couldn't really mix um, on stage, so it was kind of like all these vibrant colors right out the, the tube I had to use. So my pieces became a lot more colorful, and then I started learning more about color theory right. after that. So like how do these uh, different colors match um, our work together? Right. You know, how what, what's complementary, um, you know, what doesn't work well, what colors that I really gravitate to type of thing. So, you know, from there it's kind of like, okay, let me let me choose a certain amount of colors that I really love, and then let me start just seeing what what I have available right. and throwing that into the mix. So a lot of my pieces are super colorful. Um, they have like a similar palette, yeah. but then a lot of times I'll try to mix it up by using different types of uh, uh, techniques or uh, techniques when I use tools. So like I use uh, palette knives. I use you know like credit cards, old credit cards, or business cards to kind of move stuff around. Uh, little things from Home Depot, squeegees and stuff right. like that. So a lot of different techniques, but uh, you know, it it's varies each time that I do it. Uh, so I don't have like a concrete thing that I kind of uh, always go to, but just I do have flow some, with it. Yeah, yeah, just flow. So it's kind of like I don't know exactly what's going to happen. That's like what I did with uh, some of the recent pieces for I did it with Netflix too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like when they hit me up in uh, France when I was in. At a residency in France, I was like, okay, I didn't bring any of my paint materials at all. Right. And I was like, okay, I have to figure out how to create this piece because I was like, I want that Netflix money. Right. Let right. me figure it out, type of thing. So basically. Hold up real quick. Let's, yeah. Because that, that went quick. <laughs> and that's major. <laughs> so you were commissioned by Netflix while you were in France. <laughs> that's a lot of flex. That's a light, that's, yeah, that's a light uh-huh. flex. But you were con- commissioned by Netflix. How did that even... So that came about, I, um, as a, well, first off, as an artist, you you try to build your resume by doing like residencies, and uh, this residency that I got awarded was in France for four weeks. So I was in France for four weeks working on interactive work, so I wasn't even thinking about the, uh, you know, the, the painting stuff at all. And while I was over there, I got this email... And it said Netflix opportunity, and I was like, "Yo, I, spam, yeah, spam." <laughs> you know those, those LinkedIn type of things. Right. I, I can never stop the LinkedIn emails, and I was like, "Yo, let me, let me just open it up, type of thing, see what it is." But it was actually a real email. It's yeah. like a dude um, who's like the go-between, and he was like, "Yo, uh, we work for you know uh, the show with Letterman, and we do the promotion and stuff like that on mm-hmm. Netflix, or for the show on Netflix and everything." And I was like, okay, um, they want me to kind of do two portraits, one Letterman, one Jay-Z. And they were trying to, still trying to figure out the Jay-Z portrait that his team kind of approved of. Right. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll figure it out type of thing. I said, yeah. And then basically it was um, getting the, the final photo for Jay-Z and trying to figure out where to get all the, these materials mm. you know, that I needed. Uh, but eventually I found the materials and I started... And it was kind of like they weren't my colors that I kind of use on a regular, but right. you know, it's like you just work with what you have. Right. And basically, found some uh, spray paint as well, and put uh, the pieces together in a week and a half, two weeks. And they wanted me to film myself actually painting it because they wanted the video mm-hmm. uh, content for the, the Facebook and Instagram stuff like that, and they wanted to, the actual finished product, a picture of that. So right. uh, those are the things that I did over the, the next two weeks was film myself painting them. And uh, take the final picture. And then once I uh, gave them all the content, they basically chopped it up in a week. And then when I flew back here uh, to Denver, uh, they had it up, you know, like the next Monday. Yeah. So it was like a, you know, a fast turnaround time. So what was I, the pressure, though? I mean, like, you're painting David Letterman and Jay-Z. It was crazy because <laughs> I, was, I was in France, so I was... 
I was more about learning uh, my surroundings and, you know, just like soaking up what's over there type yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I even went to the UK for the first time or London for the first time and you still mopped around there as well. So really I didn't have uh, like uh, an idea of how big it was, uh, how people would, you know, even uh, perceive it. But, you know, when I came back and, you know, I told the story and then they actually released the, the content, I was like, oh, this is pretty big. Letterman yeah. changed up his profile picture, his banner and everything, and I see yeah. it other places. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, Nine News and uh, Fox 31 hit me up, and people started sharing it. And, you know, it was like a really good feeling because, like, you're working with, you know, this popular show and someone you kind of grew up watching. Right, you know? right, right. It's like right. you grew up watching Letterman and Leno battle it out type of thing. It's like, oh, I have content that they, they're using yeah. uh, to promote a show. And they actually found me from Instagram. Wow. Uh, yeah, so like I always try to keep my Instagram popping and everything. So major key. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something where it's kind of like that gets your stuff out there f to people who who aren't in Denver and know about you. So you know, after learning that, it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is this is uh, this is how uh, this is where my work is getting to. Okay, type, type of thing. So it, you know, it's a great opportunity, man. I hope one of those things come up again. But it's just like something fun to kind of, you know, get the bag through Netflix and everything. Right, <laughs> right, like, right. Like, oh yeah, cause I, I I heard all the money they be spending now, so I'm like, yeah. I got to be, be a part of that right there. <laughs> yeah, I got to be a part of that. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a cool opportunity. But now it's kind of like uh, getting back to uh, the commissions and the mural stuff. While you know it's getting warm, well, hopefully it's not snowing anymore. But yeah. you know, while it's getting warmer, it's starting to get outside to the murals and stuff so it's kind of like transitions to studio stuff during the winter fall times and then going to the the, the outside stuff during the spring summertime right uh, so that's where i'm i'm at now transitioning to more of the outside stuff Dope. now one of my favorite pieces i see this all the time when i'm driving on i-70 yeah man i could see the the what's oh. what's the name of the mural for one? I uh, really don't have a name for the mural. It's my homegirl Cindy. Okay, so Cindy is one of the first people uh, I kind of met moving to Colorado. This is like I believe two thousand and eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. When I was going to school, I started the Hip Hop Congress mm -hmm. on campus and everything. Basically, a platform to kind of you know help. Uh, you know, yeah, you were okay. Yeah, you know Spencer and uh, yeah, so Spencer, Spencer's the, yeah, Spencer's the homie, man. So yeah, I created the Hip Hop Congress. They had a bunch of different chapters around the the country and everything. I was like, Denver needs one, yeah, because I was doing a lot of break dancing. I was DJing at the same time, so I was like, let, let me uh, start this club because we use uh, resources and funding from the school. It was like, right, that's what your tuition goes towards, like yeah. stuff like that. So I was like, let me let me get this money and basically use that to kind of um, use rent venues and hire DJs and throw breakdancing jams with uh, cash money prizes, things like that, and just build a community. And she was one of the people that kind of came on board um, and developed uh, another uh, event called Queens of Hip Hop and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was really instrumental in like uh, helping Hip Hop Congress to flourish, along with uh, like Spencer and Carlos and everyone else. Um, so she is now trying to do art and dance full time so like that she's just trying to keep it alive and everything she's yeah. traveling a lot more and hers like her spirit is just super positive like well right. I, I consider myself a square but she's <laughs> like you know she's like so when I try to keep pure because she's like the nicest person in the world right so it's like baby sister trying to protect her all the time and everyone in the community feels that way about her that's so a she, humongous like there's no way you can't see that yeah how tall paper. is it that one's about 27 feet 
wow. and by 120 feet around that uh, size. And that one came about because uh, Denver now has oh they always had it. Um, but this thing called Urban Arts Fund is mm-hmm. basically getting money from the city to kind of uh, do murals and public work right. in um, areas that are, you know, uh, that may have graffiti in it or they, they just want to make, make sure it's like a, uh, put, the, put a creative spark in there. Mm-hmm. So basically, I applied for that for the first time, showed them the mural that I wanted to do, and then also went to uh, the company. I didn't know who owned the building. I just drove on the highway and I was yeah. like, I like this wall. And I hit up the, the number because there was no signage on the outside other than a number for hire. And I was hit them up in this tough shed. And I was like, hey, I, uh, I want to paint your wall and I can do it for free. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, that's the bait right there. When you say you can do something for free, it's like the catch. And they hit me back and said, hey, uh, tell us more about it. And then I introduced them to my work and, yeah. you know, all the like, stuff that was happening in Rhino. I was like, hey, I want to do art on your wall and, you know, um, put a spark in the area, something creative for people to see when they drive by and everything. And uh, Phil, uh, who's the marketing director over there, is super cool. I uh, loved my work, and basically we started working on a design. And I was like, let me use my homegirl, Cindy, because she's like the most positive person ever. And then let me try to figure out a design that's uh, super simple to do, uh, right. that I can do in like a week or something like that. So basically you came up this, with a design that kind of transitioned from like uh, cool colors to warm colors and had like her in the center looking up, like more like an aspirational type of thing. That's definitely yeah. a focal point when you're driving. Yeah. Speaking of being a focal point, though, so I remember one day, when I drove by it, and it was vandalized. <laughs> I was driving slow as hell, recording it, talking shit. Like, who would do this? I posted it on Facebook, and, for, and that yeah. had to be like a super hater. Because first of all, super. you have to be—you have to be a, an extreme hater to get a ladder. Man, can you even no, no, reach no, it by no, ladder? No, it, it you was, have to like scaffold bomber, down. So yeah. No, this was like a straight up graffiti artist. Like, yeah. I actually uh, came across him um, even before. Uh, I did the mural like maybe a year before that, but it was mo- it's more like anytime you do street art or any murals, you, you have to know like it's it's a, it's a part of the public domain and it's mm. a street it's like the street art culture. That's what right. you dive yeah, into because yeah. you know the writers and the graph artists are the ones that almost take this shit serious. Yeah, they they take it serious. They're the ones that you know almost like. You see all these new developments, but they they keep the street art and like yeah. the developments, so that's how you know how influential they are. So like me, oh, I wasn't mad at all because I know it's a part of the game type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he, it's like uh, that was his wall before because I I saw a tag of his on there. It's like a fire extinguisher, mm-hmm. a tag. So it's like you pressurize a fire extinguisher, you do it up there type of thing. So it wasn't really it wasn't personal at all, and I didn't even take it as personal. I knew like this was like his territory type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. But as long as you fix it up really fast, it's kind of, it's kind of like they know that you care about that mural type of thing. Right. So like the next day, uh, it was annoying because it was like during one of my, uh, in the middle of me preparing for a show. But you know, I, I hit up uh, the lift company and they pretty much gave me the lift for free. Yeah. And they kind of fix it up and everything. And it took, you know, it took a day to fix. Um, my homies from Be a Good Person came through, helped yeah. me out yeah, and everything. Shout out to them. Yeah. yeah. So Julian came through and everything. And um, you know, what surprised me was like as I was uh, fixing it, people would stop off the highway mm-hmm. to ask if they could help. You know, so like kind of was. Uh, it was uh, a it's an impact piece. Yeah. Like, I posted it on Facebook when I was recording it, and <laughs> it got like 
6,000 views, <laughs> like 300 shares, and just people just like, who would do this to such a beautiful piece? Like, the city was like, yeah, it was heated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people that uh, kind of came out, you know, you know, was, was mad. But, you know, it's like a lot of that stuff, you just got to put a positive spin on it that, you know, while fixing it, I met a lot of good people. Yeah. A lot of people from out of town that knew my work, too, because they were driving cross-country. They are like, oh, I, I follow you on Instagram type right. of thing. So for me, it was, it was something positive. And, you know, like I said, anytime you get into, like, the street art culture, the graffiti culture, stuff like that, you know that's, like, uh, something that may happen. So right. it's like anytime I do a mural, I know that may happen type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm like I'm, – in some ways, like I'm in that ter- I'm in their territory type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always respect, you know, the graph artists that came before me and like uh, pretty much, uh, you know, almost paved the way for a lot of just mural artists to come out there right. and like put up stuff. So right. for me, it's kind of like, you know, I can't be too mad. Um, just got to make sure, you know, uh, I protect it next time a little yeah. bit, <laughs> a little right. higher type of thing. Right. But you know, it, it, it was super cool because you know I see you know the Rhino District and then other parts of Five Points and then you know everywhere else in Denver, you know, really embracing you know the street art. Definitely, it's like murals putting everywhere. Up everywhere yeah. Man. yeah, it's like there's there's more walls for people in the cities now supporting it. Businesses are supporting. Like I said, like you see these new developments and they're renovating these old buildings. They're like, let's keep the mural. Let's keep all the, yeah. the writing and everything. Thing. They so, want to look hip. Yeah, they want to look hip. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, ah, you know. Let's see what y'all doing. You, you, you yeah, got to yeah. support, too. I mean, it's gentrified, but yeah. we still got the art. Yeah, you know. They'll be trying to rust out Denver. Right? Yeah, they be having, they, there's a bunch of cities that are like that, too. They, uh, uh, Miami was the same way. Uh, when I went to uh, London, it's the same thing happening. So it's everywhere. Right, 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 right. So I think we have, um, I don't know if we want to get into it right now, but Graffiti and I, we were talking about this over the weekend with Kanye, mm-hmm. Candace Owens, Trump. Mm-hmm. Do, do we want to get into that now or what we want to do? Because you, ha- you had some very uh, very passionate opinions about it. I did. Um, <laughs> first of all, um, Detour, what's your stance <laughs> on politics and uh Man, kind of what's going I on. say I make America great again. You say that? No, 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 I'm in like a holding period right now because I don't know what the fuck is happening. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's I don't like I knew I I didn't think Trump could get in, but mm-hmm. then afterwards, it's kind of like I could see why he got in. People are complacent. People, mm-hmm. you know, thought Hillary was gonna get in. People, yeah, like even going to uh, Europe and seeing how their opinions on our our uh, government is it's it's interesting. But even over there, it's. They have just as crazy a politics, right? So it's not as uh, I guess visceral to them as it is to us because you know they have like a Berlusconi, yeah, and you know Italy who's having bonga parties type of thing, and mm-hmm. that's Trump times ten. You know they France they had a couple dudes like that before, so it's like going over there and coming back here. You know I, I see how important you know uh, getting involved. Is and actually running for office too. So exactly, you see right. all these individuals now running for local government and everything. So seeing how important that is, and you know, then also being in Europe, seeing how uh, old it is. You know, they've mm-hmm. been through everything. They like 
London fucking conquered the UK conquered a lot of shit. Right. You know, we're only two hundred years old. So it's kinda like we're still new, we still got a lot to go through and it's kinda like, you know, it's it's a uh it's ever evolving type of situation, man. Yeah, and Definitely. we're not just seeing that and we're not just seeing that sense of nationalism in America. We're pretty much seeing it all over the world. Yeah. Right? Everyone is wants to be isolated and they don't want immigrants in their country that... Italy. Italy, they had a couple of shootings. Like they was, there's a guy who shot a couple of African immigrants just because wow. they, they didn't look like right. the local people. So it's kind of like you definitely got to watch your back around here. And it's like sometimes you just don't know who who thinks that way. Right. You know, you don't know who thinks that way. So you got to be, be really careful. Actually, speaking of which, this news just broke. I'm pulling it up. Uh, there was an attempted, well, an attempted partially successful mass shooting at the Waffle House. At the Waffle House in Tennessee. Yeah, that's crazy. At the Waffle House. I'm grabbing the. Yeah, I'm grabbing the story. Still on the run. I was watching that earlier. Yeah, like you yeah. bugging. That's yeah. the Waffle House. Yeah. That's the let out spot. But shout out to 29 uh, year old James Shaw Jr. Yeah, man. Who actually attacked the gunman and disarmed him before he was able to kill anyone else. Right. So there were three people dead, four people who were injured. Yeah, man, it's crazy. So, to get to what I was going to talk about. Mm, talk um, about it. So, Candace Owens. Candace Owens. She's she's labeled a far-right, anti-Black Lives Matter. Mm. One of those. Conservative. Conservative. A whole, uh, I, I don't mm. think she... I mean, she's been on Fox. She's been on Fox. I don't think she's like a... Yeah, yeah. But she's black, though. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Woo. So... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So she says some things. Born that, in born in 1990. Uh huh. So she's young. Uh, so she's she's a young black woman who is a conservative. Is a conservative. Some call her a Trump fanatic. The Matrix is definitely glitching. Yeah. So you see her, and you would assume she would be one of the front runners of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Just based on her credentials, her appearance, her age, all of that. But it's the opposite. But my thing is, and to you know, kind of prelude into it, Kanye tweeted that he agrees with Candace Owens because she tweeted something about how she was doing, uh, what was it? She was speaking somewhere, and um, the Black Lives Matter protesters were in the back, kind of mm-hmm. like disrupting the speaking event, and she was basically saying, like, look at them in the back, like. In so many words, like, look at the loud, angry black people in the back mm-hmm. when we got the quiet ones in the front absorbing the information. Like, you know, which one do you want to like be? Contrasting yeah. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, and, and basically saying as well that, you know, especially black people in America now, you know, we're more privileged than ever. Mm-hmm. We're not, we don't have the same struggles as our ancestors, so we need to quit holding on to right. our our grandparents' struggles and our great-grandparents' struggles because that's not what we're going through. Right. So she, she she basically said that and she was saying that she feels that the Black Lives Matter movement is like victim, kind of victimization, basically. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. victimizing themselves by holding on to slavery and all the things from our ancestors and not trying to move forward to what we need to do in the future. Yeah. Kanye <clears throat> retweeted and said I agree. That sparked like all kind of controversy because they're yeah. like, "Oh well, Trump is siding with." I mean, Kanye's siding with Trump supporters, and Candace is this and that. 
I said, I agree as well. Yeah. Mm. And I do agree with what she was saying, but her problem is the way she says things. Like, people call her, like, the black Tommy Lauren because of her, you know, her, her rash. Tanisha Lauren. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, way she, she, the way she communicates things can, can get under your skin because it sounds like she's kind of antagonizing. She's down talking the Black Lives yeah. Matter movement. But when you really think about what she's saying, yeah. she's kind of right. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, and I say the same shit. It's like, we could march, we could shout, we can go interrupt. And then what? What's yeah. the action after that? Yeah. Like, are we just going to keep saying, we're tired of racism, let's chant, let's protest? Or are we actually going to start running for office? Yeah. Are we going to start owning things? Are we going to start making a shift in finances to go even further with the Starbucks thing? Mm-hmm. Everybody was so mad about um, the black man being arrested at Starbucks. was some bullshit. Yeah. But it was like, now what? Okay, we're going to boycott Starbucks. Yeah. We're not their core market anyway. Yeah. Doesn't do shit. Yeah. What's next? Okay. Like, nobody once said, all right, let's not go to Starbucks. Let's go to Tyrone's Coffee. Coffee at the point. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Coffee like, at the point. Yeah. that was a perfect opportunity to start pushing, yeah. you know, black coffee spots or stuff like that. But we didn't do that. Instead, we complained about Starbucks the whole time. So, so here's my take. So it's like, what are we going to do besides complain? And that's basically what she was saying. And I kind of agree. So here's my, here's my <laughs> take. At an, at an individual level... Everyone is accountable for themselves, mm-hmm. for their actions. Oh, am I talking to the mic? Everyone is accountable <laughs> for themselves, for their actions, for their own success. Mm-hmm. I strongly believe that if you work hard, if you're consistent, you can be successful. Regardless of what your gender is, what your age is, what your religion is, your sexual orientation, you can be successful. Mm-hmm. With that being said, white supremacy exists. Definitely. White supremacy is also systematic. Mm-hmm. It it creates this. It, it's the system and this culture that normalizes white skin, and anything that is not of that norm automatically sticks out. Right. And and it's not an American thing. It is all over the world. All over the world, people treat people of darker skin mm-hmm. differently. Right. That's not an American thing. Anywhere you go, black people are black people, darker skinned people are treated different. Light skinned people are treated different. Right. Facts. That's just a fact. If you go to India, the caste system, yeah. you'll see that same thing. Mm-hmm. If you go to China. Even Africa, you know, when I was I was living in Tanzania for a while and they have colorism issues and it's really prevalent and they don't really even address it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's just stuck. It's just stuck in that same state of uh, lighter skin is better because where I was in Tanzania, dowry is still you know mm-hmm. something big. Where it's like you're getting cows and goats to marry someone's daughter. Right. And they and I was like I was joking with them, and then mm-hmm. some of the kids were like, "Yeah, she would get maybe ten cows yeah. because she's lighter skin." And then this person who's darker skin, they would get you know less cows. You know, it's, it's crazy to even think about that. But like the propaganda that you know the Europeans and America has have pushed around the world is definitely still still relevant. So those oppor- sometimes you can see those opportunities taken away from you because I wanted to teach uh, English in Korea. That's how I ended up in Tanzania. I wanted mm. to teach English in Korea. But right. in Asian culture, darker skin is not uh, looked too kindly upon. 
Mm. So it's kind of like those doors are closed because when I wanted to teach, you have to send a picture in too of yourself. Right. And then when they see you, what you look like, regardless of your resume, it's like they throw it out. Mm. And there's nothing you can do about this in a whole other country. So those opportunities to kind of get global and get that experience are closed to you. So, I mean, it, it's it's definitely prevalent when it, when it comes to colorism, and it's not just in America. It's like a whole world type of issue. Definitely. You know? and, and not everything needs to be racism in the form of being shot by the police or being sprayed down with the water hose because mm-hmm. I don't I, I think on a day-to-day basis we don't experience racism as black people but all it takes is just one situation right and the systematic oppression never goes away I mean it's, it's yeah. there no matter what I however like I, I've been really just the more I grow and the older I get and just the more I'm consuming from you know social media and my peers and just knowledge in general I feel like we tend to give white supremacy too much power we tend to like hone in on it all the time and what I mean by that is why why is that it definitely exists we know that it's been around forever but even growing up we kind of have this we, we get this mindset instilled in us of Fight for the little guy, fight the power, the powers that be are against us, which they are. But we're never taught how to become that power ourselves. Mm. You know what I mean? So Mm. it's like we can forever say, okay, well, this is the system. This is how it works. This is why we're oppressed, blah, 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 because it's a fact. Mm -hmm. But, and we're even seeing it now with entertainment, hip-hop, and kind of just the woke, quote-unquote, because I hate that Mm. word, wokeness of the community. People are kind of snapping out of it like, wait, okay, they don't want us here, so let's give ourselves something where we accept each other. And I think that needs to be more of the mind state. It shouldn't be, I can't do this because they won't let me. It should be, okay, well, fuck them. Let's do this together because we know how powerful the black dollar is. I mean, shit, look at Black Panther. So it was kind of like when I was saying, like, let's make that Wakanda mind state real. It's like, all right, man, let's stop complaining that. The Grammys don't want to fuck with us or or the Oscars or whatever. Let's stop complaining that we can't go to Starbucks. You know what I mean? Like, let's figure out how to just supply this shit for ourselves because that's what every other culture is doing. And we may not be given those tools because, you know, the the pendulum swings the other way in finances when it comes to us. But we got to figure out how to start creating those opportunities for ourselves yeah. instead but, of just saying, well, the white man won't let us do but while we, But while we create those opportunities, I think that it's important to also call out and criticize oh, racism yeah. and injustice. Because, I mean, I, I think we, we tried to do that with in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. We tried to do that with Black Wall Street and they came and tore it down. Right. Like we, we try to own our own stuff and you look at what's happening in Flint, like you're, you're, you're looking at... It's not. It's what's happening in Flint is not negligence. They're right. not. They didn't just change up the water to save a buck. No, they're poisoning Flint. Mm-hmm. They're lowering. That shit the, is low key genocide. They're lowering the property value. Yeah. They're trying to get black people out of there so they right. can come in and buy buy up the neighborhood for right. pennies on the dollar. Right. And then flip it into two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar mm-hmm. homes or, or condos Shh, and things like going that. Everywhere. So so even when we get our own, we have to make sure that we're we're still calling out the injustice Definitely. because if we try to get our own, they're going to see we're even seated in music and in entertainment like they 
coming and swoop it up. They're come. They're going to come swoop it up anytime we create something, right? So. And I think that's what I'm kind of getting at is how do we start to build that conversation of how to obtain and keep these things. I mean, of course, none of us know the answer because if we did, we'd be doing it. But I think that's where the Candace Owens and dare I say, even the Trumps, mm. what they're doing to cause this hashtag black rage is starting to create conversations that we would have never had before. Right. You know what I mean? Like hot take. We all know Trump <laughs> is a piece of shit. We know that. Yeah. You know, he's an old white guy with a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. We know him, but the idea in the figure of Trump is low key. One of the best things that happened to America because it put a mirror in America's face. Yeah. Like, look, America, what yeah. the fuck y'all look like? And now yeah. even white people yeah. are like, damn, like yeah. we kind of look bad to the world right now. I care more about politics now than I've ever cared about. Yeah. And when Obama was here, I was kind of chilling. I'm like, yeah, we got a black president. This is straight. Yeah. And now it's like, all right, Trump kind of got me really thinking like, damn, man, like yeah. we need to make a difference. And yeah. so like he accidentally is changing shit. But now it's, it's, I'm like, all right, now we do call out the injustice, but then what do we do after that? Because all we're doing is just calling shit out. Right. So, and, and, that's, and that's a good point that you bring up. When we give injustice and when we give racism and when we give evil and tyranny a face, mm-hmm. then it's easier to say, okay, that, that's how we rally. Right. Because how do we, you know, how do we rally against something that doesn't really have a face to mm-hmm. it or have something to rally against you know it's basically just an idea at that point but once it becomes something that's that's tangible that we can actually Mm -hmm. um, oppose then then that's where we can get uh, get the ball rolling the shit feels more real yeah Yeah. i mean (laughs) having trump in office you start to see and then even also the me too movement you start Mm -hmm. to see a lot of black females running for office Mm -hmm. you start to see because they're fed up with it a lot of people that wouldn't like you said would never really consider politics, you know, something that they would do are now in they have they see how much skin is in the game type right, of thing. Right. And then I kind of sometimes relate it to being an artist as well cuz you know, artists are kicked out of the neighborhood, mm-hmm. are used and abused in many ways like rhinos like the developers use artists all the time. Right. So for me it's kind of like the I have to start learning how to own my own property to control my own destiny. Right. And that's what I think. So education for me is like really big. Learning Mm -hmm. how to buy real estate, learning how to even, even before buying real estate is like learning about economics in the U.S. and the economy and how it relates to everything. Right. How, you know, when you see, when you see a situation, how will it affect this market value, or the market value, real estate value, things like that, and then how to buy property, how mm-hmm. to secure that property, how to uh, think 50 years into the future. Right. Um, I think learning or being educated about a lot of that stuff, stock market, everything, you know, you're going to be in a better position, whereas, you know, we, I don't think a lot of people haven't had that conversation right. at all in their house. Right. And you don't have it at school at all, Yeah. you know, because school and, you know, colleges are, you're trained to be a middle manager at most mm-hmm. uh, you're not trained to be an executive to, to do a lot of stuff so right. you know a lot of that stuff comes from you know just having that entrepreneur mindset but like having us take that on I think we'll be in a better position because now if uh, a neighborhood is, is, is 
we can control our own neighborhoods. Right. We, we, right. we own our. We can't. You can't get, kick us out because we own the property. Right. Type of thing. Right. Or you can't uh, do this law because we're on the board. Uh, we're, we're the council pre- people in there. Right. Um, so I think that education is one of the biggest things, and trying to get them early. Uh, so the kids, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get even the people that aren't um, older uh, individuals, try, trying to educate them about how much, uh, how valuable their land is, how valuable right. their 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 vote is, how valuable, um, uh, you know, just just how what they can do mm-hmm. um, to make a change. Right. Um, so, but for me, it's like educating the kids. It's, That's it's all it first is, and man. Foremost, and educating myself. I feel like us. This, our generation, we are aware of these things now because we have these disruptors that are putting it in our face blatantly. Yep. And, like, you can't rebuild until you destroy it. So, like, as much as we hate this guy and we hate what's going on, like, it, it's necessary right now for us to rebuild. And, like I said, you hear it in the music. You hear Jay-Z with 444 and you hear Nipsey and the subject matter is changing. It's not, yo, get money, go get a chain. Yeah. It's, all right, let's get this land, let's invest in stocks. Mm-hmm. It's things we've never heard. So yeah. now we're passing this to our kids, and it's, it's starting this train. So if it's not us that makes a difference, it's going to be them or their kids' kids. But I think it, all of this bullshit is necessary, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah, you got to have that trigger moment that makes you go, oh, shit, let me yeah. get my stuff together. Because, you know, all the gentrification over here, you know, that got me thinking of, oh, next place I need to... I need to own my own uh, building mm-hmm. um, so that I'm not kicked out or I don't have this anxiety of, Same you know, page, I bro. could get this uh, rent raise, you know, yeah, yeah. type of thing. So the, it, it takes that trigger moment moment to happen um, for you to go, you know, let me get my shit together. Yeah, man. Thinking about I'm stuff. sitting around yeah. studying real estate and, and politics and shit. Like, I never would have thought, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's yeah, necessary. Man. I, I, I yeah. uh, invest in the stock market, you know, like I had to uh, lose a couple, you know. To kind of really say, oh, let me figure out how to really understand the stock market and what what happens in the stock market and how right. our companies uh, evaluated, how are they valued, how you know if uh, if this happens, what will happen to Google type yeah. of thing? Because you know it's a, it's almost like a one percentage type of game, and most of the uh, money is going to the one percent, even though they say the economy is good. Yeah, you know it's not everyone who's making it. So. It's a few right. that know that that have that knowledge. Right, um, so for me, it's kind of like educating myself on everything. Even the stock market yeah. uh, is important. Right. So I mean, to summarize this, because that that was deep. Um, that just goes back to my original point of giving too much power to white supremacy. It's not necessarily that the keys are hidden anymore, because they're there. I mean, they have them. It's more of us being able to realize that we need that knowledge ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have to go out and look for this education to be able to do these things. We're not going to find it in schools. We're not going to find it from our elders because they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. But now since we know the game, it's like, okay, wait. All of these millionaires have one thing in common. They all either invest or work with real estate. Yeah. Like, let me get on this real estate because <coughs> it's right there. And, and things like that. You know yeah. what I mean? So now that we know that, we got to act on it and we can't just... We can't just holler about shit. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what Candace Owens was trying to say, but she just says everything like an asshole. Well, you know, a lot of those cats are people that want to... This is why I sometimes stop watching the news. Is they try to create this outrage. Yeah. And that's what they make their money off of. Because, black outrage. Yeah, the black outrage and just, like, just trying to throw shit out there, get people riled up, 
and then that's how they get that buzz. I didn't know Tommy Lauren before, you know, she made right. some wild comments, right. and then now she's everywhere, and then, but she keeps uh, focusing on making these wild comments, and then you get these reactions, so a lot exactly. of times it's kind of like you can't, you can't follow, you can't get that, you can't follow the bait, you yeah. know, that they're just baiting you right. to kind of react, so it's kind of like, you, you see, and she's what, 20, 23, yeah. 27? Yeah, she's young. Yeah, she's 20, she's young. She never, I don't think think she lived outside the country at all. I don't think she really had, I think she's from a small state. Mm-hmm. Um, North Dakota. Iowa, North Dakota, something like that. Some, yeah, well, yeah, so like, the only reason we're yeah. even talking about her is because of the black outrage. Yeah, so it's kind of <laughs> like you ha- you get an outrage about someone that you know does not have that life experience to mm-hmm. be as, uh, uh, to be an authority in that area. Right. It's like talking to someone who's lived in a couple of countries, speaks a couple of different languages, has lived with multiple different people and different demographics. That's someone I'm like, okay, they, they, they've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, let me, let me listen to them and see their perspective. Because I love hearing people that don't have my same perspective on stuff. Right. Because um, I just love, you know, just having, you know, dialogue. But, like, to give weight, that much weight to someone that you know is young, has not experienced anything, uh, significant. She went into journalism and just kind of grinded her way up there. And all they do is just talk. Right. They're just talking heads. So it's like you can't really take that bait because that's what they make their money off of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm switching gears a little bit. So when you're not uh, doing art, when you're not painting, how do you how do you unwind? Me, man. How do you every, every day is art. Every day is art, man. Uh, it's um because I'm. Th- I started when I was 29 doing stuff full time, mm-hmm. and before that was me going to school, um, trying to do like advertising. Um, you know, I feel like I'm almost trying to do the art thing uh, later in life. Um, so for me, it's kind of like every day I'm doing as much as I can to get to where I thought I should have been. Mm. So for me, I get up 3:30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, get to the studio and just create. Um, so for me, I don't have that much free time at all. So for me, it's just home, studio, home. Right. Home, studio, errands, p- creating prints, murals, home type of thing. So I don't really have that much free time. But throughout the day, like most of my time is spent, um, you know, helping other artists out because I want to be that artist that I wanted to meet when I first started out. Okay. So a lot of times when I do have free time, it's kind of, I fill it up helping other artists out. Right. So a lot of times, like I haven't seen uh, Black Panther yet. Cause mm, I just been so busy. Yeah. Black Car I, I need, <laughs> I need like, I'm trying to get it back, man. Yeah. Like I, I, I haven't seen that. And I'm trying to uh, see uh, my uh, my homie's Jeff's uh, play. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Jeff. yeah, he does really good work. So but it's kind of like I have to f- try to try to carve out that time. Um, to kind of go do those things because most of my time is spent doing all these projects. That's how I get so much stuff done right. uh, in the day is because I just spend most of that time Work. creating artwork. And then, like, any time that I do get, like, the French thing is like a working working vacation. If I'm at Metal Art Kitchen where I hang a lot of my work at, I'm in the patio, I'm doing some live painting. Mm. It's always work. It's always something that kind of relates back to me uh, creating artwork. So a lot of times I... I just don't have like the time to uh, like uh, wind down or anything. It's always related to the work stuff, and that's one of the, uh, I guess, successful thing or ways to success is like trying to find different things that you can do to kind of 
uh, almost have like a working vacation, but even though you're on vacation, you're still doing work. Right. Um, and for me, I, I have fun doing that. Um, but like the way I kind of get my entertainment in is like through podcasts, mm-hmm. like you guys, and you know, I do the brilliant idiots, uh, the drink tramps, uh, and you know, the read and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, I kind of do some videography, photography stuff that right. also relates back to some of my art stuff. But anything that I do throughout the day is always kind of related to the art. Man, so nice. now that you got this Netflix bag on your resume, <laughs> if somebody needs a, a, a detour mural, that, that that ticket is hitting pretty high, huh? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's cool because, like, as an artist, it's like you, you want people to buy the work and then you get to the stage to where people are buying the work and then, you know, it's kind of like you want to... You're able to kind of turn down projects. Mm-hmm. That's when you know it's like, oh, I hit that next stage. Is like I'm able to turn down some projects to work on stuff that I really want to work on, and that's where I'm at now. Um, it's it's a it's like I have some more journey to go um, to kind of get bigger, work with uh, bigger uh, budgets, and do bigger installations and bigger uh, shows. Um, but right now, it's kind of like. Um, you have to have a cool project for me to kind of work on, for me to kind of really take it on. Right. Um, because creative freedom is, is like, for me, um, uh, is, is, is worth more than gold right now in mm-hmm. terms of the art stuff. Because if you're doing something that you don't want to do, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like work. Yeah. So if I'm painting something that I don't want to paint, it, it's like work type of thing. So I only really take on projects and murals um, where I have, like, creative freedom to do what I want to do. Um, so a lot of the, the murals that you see around town are, you know, I collab with people and uh, business owners and developers that say, hey, I love your work, just do what you do type of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm at now. Um, but yeah, so just like really right now, just like trying to move to that next level, um, doing, doing more shows outside of Denver, outside of Colorado, um, on the East Coast, West Coast, um, different countries right now, but also uh, trying to help other artists out along the way. Yeah, man. Well, we appreciate you, bro. I got one final question. Mm-hmm. One piece of knowledge, advice, love, whatever. What would that be? Um, I would say I always tell artists to kind of draw from their background and it's, I'd say background and, and experiences whenever they try to create because a lot of us get into these creative blocks and I get a lot of DMs on my Instagram about uh, creative blocks and figuring out how to do a style, how do they create a style. And this kind of translates into pretty much everything, even podcasting, mm-hmm. you know, like what type of podcast do we do? What type of, um, how do we create, how do we differentiate ourselves? And really it's like drawing from your background uh, to kind of create that, uh, that different style or different, you know, uh, niche, niche market type of thing. Right. So, and if you can't draw from anything in your background, that just means you need to explore more. So that means you need to start traveling. That means you need to start getting into something that you're uncomfortable with. Um, so, like, I was doing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a while right. and learning more about Brazil. And then I was getting into videography. And then I was uh, getting into, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, I totally forgot the thing it was called. But, uh, yeah, it's just, re- yeah. <laughs> Nothing like that. No. No. Yeah, it's like, it's like if. You're talking if, about paint walls. Yeah, it's like if you can get into something that's super uncomfortable outside of your, your comfort zone, uh, you can start creating. I did, uh, like, stand-up comedy for uh, a year. Uh, in transition from moving to St. Louis to Denver. 
and I was doing open mic stuff. Yeah. And it was like the crazy, it was like something I never thought of. Uh, I did improv in uh, college uh, for like a club. And I was like, man, this is scary. Let me just try it. And I got on stage and I did some stuff. And, you know, I kept going back on stage. And it was, you know, something that kind of got me outside of my comfort zone. Right. And stuff like that will get you into uh, a space where it's like now I don't have this creative uh, limit because now I'm opened up to a lot more experiences right. in my life. So I'd say um, definitely go out there, travel. Like, you know, there's cheap, cheap flights everywhere. Um, we just had a, an alert for kayak. Kayak message. JP the two eighty over there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say that in this song, but he had to make his impact. He's always got to make an entrance. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, I, I went to the UK for sixty bucks. You know, it was kind of yeah. like yo, let me go here, and I just walked around, man, and just like absorb absorb the culture and everything. Uh, so I'd say if you can get on a bus or a train or uh, a flight to some place and just travel, do it, and you know, yeah. learn a lot of stuff. I know they got that's, awesome that's flights everywhere now. Yeah, that's real. That's real. So as far as uh, social media, how can people follow you? How can they connect with you? Check out your work. They can uh, hit me up on Instagram, Detour303. That's where I'm most active. I try to post every other day or something like that. Um, I always answer back in the DMs. Um, You know, no dick pics or anything like that. I hate that. It's weird because, like, when you get a huge following, it's hey, like paint, paint you get real quick. random shit. Paint this for my girl real quick. Like, yeah. I don't have any random money, but shit, I, just, I got a whole bunch of dick pics I can send. I was like, why? I, who's sending me this stuff? Yeah. Just pick whichever one yeah, you like people best. Make, I'm a positive person, so I try not to clap back at all. No. So <laughs> like, it's, it's weird stuff. I mean, he's like, but, I polite, politely decline. <laughs> decline. Yeah. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I always try to answer the DMs. And then uh, my website, www.iamdetour, uh, D-E-T-O-U-R.com uh, is where uh, a lot of my work is, my portfolio is. And, you know, you can find prints if you want to buy some prints online as well. Straight up, man. We appreciate you for coming through. Let's make some noise my man, Detour. Hey. Hey. Life is Dope Podcast. I'm Graffiti. And I'm David. We out. This is a Sprite, and it tastes exactly like it sounds. That first hit of cool, crisp refreshment on your tongue, followed by that familiar chorus we all know by heart. Sprite, thirst for yours. This is a Sprite, and it tastes exactly like it sounds. That first hit of cool, crisp refreshment on your tongue, followed by that familiar chorus we all know by heart. Sprite, thirst for yours.